0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Disclaimer, this message will make you probably feel uncomfortable. Most of you will have one of two extreme reactions to the topic I want to address. Some of you will over exaggerate the reality of demons while others of you will want to understate the existence of a spiritual world and spiritual beings. So let me borrow from a a book written by a man named C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian thinkers, uh, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, a famous children's uh, book series. C.S. Lewis in his book, Screwtape Letters, a book specifically written about the reality of the spiritual world and the spiritual beings, he wrote this. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race could fall about the devil's one is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Right now, some of you are going to fall into a category where you're going to want to ignore and write off the reality of the spiritual beings that may exist and operate in the world we live in. And others of you are overcaught up and obsessing about the reality of spiritual beings, meaning you see demons under every bush. So I, I'm just gonna share with you some of my own personal experience uh, with this. In fact, my, really my earliest experiences were not mine alone, but really just stories that I heard about the demonic. I I remember I went to a Bible school, which means I was in a college where everybody there was studying to go into Christian ministry. And one of my earliest experiences with uh, uh, hearing about the demonic was from my roommate, who uh, said that he woke up one morning and he started sharing the story with me about how that night he, he felt and saw a green, uh, misty creature come over him and start shaking him and start choking him uh, and, and was choking him until he kind of cried out the name of Jesus. Now, to be very honest with you, I was sleeping in the bunk uh, above him. I didn't experience anything. It didn't wake me up that night, and I kind of thought... Uh, I was kind of leaning one or two directions. Uh, I was a little creeped out by the possibility that this could have been happening only a few feet away from me. On the other hand, I kind of thought he was nuts. And then I on that same year, my freshman year of Bible college, uh, there was this one guy in our class who would... Um, say all kinds of like really weird, creepy things. I remember looking over at him. We would have regular like worship services as part of our Bible school experience. Kind of every day we would go into a chapel experience. And you could look over at him and he would be, instead of worshiping like the rest of us, he would just be standing there like blank faced and mumbling. Thought he was a creep. Uh, and unbeknownst to us he was also going into like dark rooms in the middle of the night in our dorm room holding his own little demonic seances and most and a few of us guys got really creeped out because one day we were having a great conversation you know a bunch of freshman guys talking about the things of God he walked into our room he, he interrupted our conversation with some crazy evil bizarre gibberish and I'll be honest with you. When he when he was standing there, it was like you could feel like it, the hairs on my arms and the back of my neck like stood up. And I was like, "This is weird. This dude is bizarre." And I wasn't quite ready to lump it into the demonic, but certainly it felt like a brush, like a, a thin space. Like there was some. Like we were interacting with something beyond the natural. And so that's where I want to bring you to you right now. That there is. A physical world and there is a spiritual world but the spiritual world may be more real than the physical world meaning while we only see what's going on here there is a spiritual world that is influencing interacting with and impacting the physical world there is a temporal world and then there is an eternal world and so because we're limited to the physical we don't see what's going on but unaware the eternal world and the spiritual world is having an impact on us and so we're going to look at the early life of jesus when God becomes one of us, when the eternal enters into the temporal, when the spiritual enters into the physical, we begin to see an interaction. And when, you, when we read about the life and teachings of Jesus as recorded by the eyewitness account of a man named Luke, who not only saw his, you know, had his own experience in observing and watching Jesus, but also read and studied about the early days and years of Jesus' life, Luke records these moments where we discover that Jesus' early years or his earliest season of ministry. One of the things he does is, for all the observers, he peels away the veil that separates the material world from the eternal world. In essence, when God enters into the physical world, He begins to peel back the veil, opens, peels away the curtain. kind of like a figurative image, like you could imagine a curtain. Jesus kind of pulls it back and shows us what is going on in the spiritual. And so we're going to look at those early years of Jesus, or early season of Jesus' ministry called the early Galilean ministry because Jesus was doing ministry in the region of Galilee. We're looking at Luke chapter 4, and I'm just going to bring you to verse 31, where it says this regarding Jesus. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the sabbath and began to teach the people so so far not a big deal what we have up to this point as jesus begins his ministry as jesus goes into a season of fasting and prayer he's tempted by evil and then he is filled with the holy spirit and now he begins to teach so far nothing crazy but let me let me bring you to the next moment because this this next moment reveals what's about to happen they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. Now this authority that Luke is referring to that these people recognized was that Jesus had an authorization. There was like a, a deputized authority. Specifically, it would be the the authority that a police officer has because of a badge or because of his lights to pull you over and give you a ticket. It's not just because he has the power to do that. a, 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 you know, a huge, you know, redneck pickup truck may have the power to get you off the road, but does not have the deputized authority to give you a ticket. So what it's saying here is Jesus had this deputized authority. So his teaching resonated more powerfully than anyone that these people had heard. This is going to give way to the next verse. Here it is. In the synagogue. So Jesus is teaching in that place. There was a man possessed by a demon. An evil spirit, and immediately, the curtain is rolled back. It's as though there's this thin place moment, and everyone's eyes are open. We're like, whoa, something else is going on here. Here's Jesus teaching about the things of God, and bam, the curtain rolls back, and we see something else happening. He cried out at the top of his voice. Ha, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In this moment, what was going on in the physical was opened up and revealed the spiritual. The demons in this man saw through the physical body of Jesus and saw the Son of God. The Son of God saw through this man and saw the demonic that was controlling and manipulating him. The thin spaces were opened up, the curtain rolled back, and all of a sudden we see what's really going on. And in this moment they go, ha, Jesus, we know who you really are. You are, you are Jesus. You are the Holy One of God. And immediately, most of us have kind of this uh, reaction when we read things like this. We, if you do believe in the spiritual, very often you land in this um, kind of this perspective that is that, Jesus and Satan, or God and Satan, are kind of like the yin and yang of the spiritual world. The good versus evil, black and white, darkness and light, right? Like, like They're kind of like two contrasting perspectives. They're at war with each other. They're, they're opposite but equals. There's a little bit of good in the bad and a little bit of bad in the good, opposite but equal. And that's, but that's not really what's going on here. And so I want to just take a moment. I want to give you a few realities about the spiritual realm. I want you to understand better as we look at the thin spaces what is really going on in the spiritual realm that is interacting with you, even if you're unaware. The first reality about the spiritual realm is that Satan is not equal with God. God is the creator, God is eternal. God existed before anything else existed, God is the only uncreated one, He created all things good predates evil god predates satan god created all things including satan he created this satan to be an angel of light he created him to worship him to do good and to worship in a good way however rebellion and pride entered into the heart of Satan, who decided to throw off his responsibility to worship God and began to rebel against God and brought a group of angels with him in that diabolic rebellion. Now, you might think that this war raged on for centuries and millennia, but it didn't. The battle lasted for a lightning strike. In an instant, God defeated Satan, threw him out of heaven, and relegated him to the hellish realms and gave him authority to rule over those in under his dominion, which means Satan was given the authority, the authorization, to have power over the demons or the, or the angels that were now fallen that willingly followed him. And Jesus, or, And Satan was given the authority to control, to manipulate, and abuse Anyone who was under his authority. So when man sinned and came under the realm of evil, Satan was given dominion to abuse, misuse, and mistreat all of those who are living under sin's control. The second thing that is important for you to know about the spiritual realm is not only that Satan is not equal with God, but Satan does not work alone. So with, within Satan's uh, evil forces, he and his demons, his minions, are at work in rebellion against God, causing trouble in our world, haunting and terrorizing people who are under his control. But he doesn't work alone. He actually has two other partners in his diabolic war against God. The first partner is the fallen world we live in. We live in a world system that has a worldview that goes contrary and opposite of God. An example of this would be Jesus came as the mouthpiece of God, teaching us to be generous. But we live in a world that calls us to be consumed with consuming, meaning to be greedy and self-focused, selfish. So the, what the world teaches us is the opposite of what Jesus teaches us as the voice of God. The world we live in uh, is broken and is fallen, meaning the world we live in is the source of pain and disease, hurt, and wars. So we live within a world that is broken and fallen because of the, as a consequence of sin, and so Satan will use the political system or the economic systems or disasters or disease to haunt and cause trouble within us, but it's not so much sin satan it's actually the broken messed up world that we live in that is a partner with this diabolic intelligent evil and then his other partner is you and i yeah you and i are born with a a thing called the, the scripture calls flesh or our sin nature every one of us were born with a drive to go against god we have this instinct to go in the opposite direction of the way god wants us to live so god Invites us to live a life of generosity. But we instinctively, not because the world tells us to be selfish, but because we want to be selfish, we go in the opposite direction of God. That is our sin nature. That is our desires that are corrupted and broken. Our, our own sin nature is what drives us to make decisions that go against God. It's our desires and our drive that leads toward our fears. Uh, it's what causes us to drag our past into our present. It's what compels us to get caught up in addictions and wrongful desires. It's our own sinful nature that causes us to wreck relationships and get caught up in the wrong way of living. It's, it's what causes us to speak bitterly and angry and curses at others. See, it's what's going on inside of us that is partnered with the world around us that is linked with the demonic forces of Satan, and the three of them are you united to bring each of us down to lead toward our own ruin it's it's the, the the united partnership of those three that is out to steal your life to wreck your home to destroy your marriage to leave you completely and utterly ruined and at the end of the day the end game is this to lead toward your death to lead toward your destruction and ultimately to accumulate in the final ruin of Uh, our eternal judgment the third important reality about the spiritual realm is this that jesus has authority over demons let me bring you right back to the story that i was reading jesus is teaching this this uh, man with a demon in him speaks up and says aha i know who you are you are the son of god you are jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us you're the holy one of god This is Jesus' response. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down from before them all and came out without injuring him. All of the people were amazed and said to each other, what is this teaching? You notice that they they recognized his teaching Not necessarily the power Jesus showed to drive out the demon. They were more interested, what was Jesus teaching us? Because the power validates the teaching. With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits to come out. Meaning, Jesus not only has the deputized Authority or power to teach this, but he also has the physical capacity. He has the he has the actual power to cast demons out of broken, hurting people. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Now, this moment is significant because you and I read things on the news. We read about people who say, uh, you know, they confess in court uh, to a heinous crime. And they say, well, I heard voices in my mind. God told me to do this. And we know it wasn't God. It was some evil, horrible thing in them. And, and when you read these stories, you also hear stories about, you know, some priest that wants to that is gonna do some act of exorcism, casting a demon out of somebody who's who's you know got some evil spirit in them. I read an a, a article about this just the other day. Uh, th- this priest who was going to exorcise a demon out of this, this woman, and as an act of exorcism, he's punching the woman in the face, and they end up arresting this priest because he literally beat this woman to a pulp. Well, that's exactly what was going on in this time in, in, in Jesus' experience. The rabbis, these Jewish priests these Jewish rabbis, these teachers were going around and they were trying to cast demons out of people. But what really resulted was craziness, bedlam. I mean, like run for your lives kind of chaos, craziness. Meaning rather than de-escalating the problem, the priests and rabbis were escalating it and turning it into spiritual madness. That's what we see on the news today, but that's not what we see in Jesus When Jesus approaches the demon-possessed man while he's teaching, he simply says, be quiet, get out, and the demons flee. So whether you are obsessed with the spiritual realm and you see demons everywhere, whether you're ignoring the spiritual realm, whether you're haunted by your own demons of attitudes or of your past or addictions, The principle that we learn from this passage in the early ministry of Jesus rings true today. And so I want to encourage you to take a moment, write this down as you take notes because this applies to every one of our lives. This is the principle that we can understand from this passage. This is what we all should take away as we study this. It is simply this reality in every one of our lives when we acknowledge the spiritual realm. It's this. We have authority in Jesus to live free through jesus you and i have the authority to live free lives this demonic man this man who was possessed he was not living free he in essence was living as a slave to the evil spiritual realm they were controlling him they were manipulating him these demons were using and abusing his body Some of you, you're being used and abused by your past. You're being haunted by your memories. You're being used and abused and haunted by your own addictions. Your sin nature is controlling and manipulating you. Others of you... You, you understand that there is a real spiritual realm, and yet you feel haunted and stalked, used and abused. You're frightened, and you live um, cowering because of this real spiritual reality that you feel is stalking you. But when we discover that we have authority to live free in Jesus, our whole life changes. I want you to imagine your life like a home. Jesus uses this picture, a word picture, when he's teaching about the spiritual realm. And so I want you to imagine your personal life, your spiritual life, like a home. And living inside your home are these evil minions in you. Sin desires, wrong attitudes, addictive behaviors, and these little minions, a little bit like a two-year-old, are running around knocking things over, breaking things, eating things they shouldn't eat, and in in all general ways, leaving your house an utter mess, but they don't work alone. What they do is your little two-year-old is going to go and kick open a door or unlock the door and open it up. Personally, uh, now that the weather is really nice, I love to just open up all of our windows. Um, Our front door uh, has a a storm door on it, but you can lower it. uh, You can lower the window, and it becomes a screen. So I love opening up all the doors and windows in my house. And so every night before we go to bed, Laura always asks me, "Hey, did you did you lock the front door? Did you close all the windows, including on the second story floor?" Now, for me personally, I'm always like, ah, oh, no, it doesn't matter. Leave the windows open. It's not supposed to rain tonight. But, but Laura insists that I go through the whole house, shut every window, lock them, and make sure the front door is locked. I personally think it's because she was born in the Bronx and grew up in New York. But either way, I find it a little bit of a, of a bear to have to go through the house and, and do this chore. Uh, so sometimes I just roll over and go, yeah, Laura, I took care of it. The front door's locked, all the windows are locked, and uh, that's horrible. That's that little two-year-old running around inside of my home, personal life, where I don't want, I'm selfish, I'm already embedded. I don't want to do uh, this one chore. But imagine your life like this home, and you just leave every door and window open. The sin nature running around inside of you is wrecking your home, but then it opens up the doors to the spiritual realm, and now creatures, spiritual beings, are creeping into your life, and they're coming in to cause incredible chaos. Here's how you open your life up to spiritual evil, addictions to drugs and alcohol. They crack open, and or even you could say they fling open the door to the demonic realm and invite them into your life. You could say sexual perversion. Messing with pornography and all kinds of other sexually deviant behaviors. It throws a door wide open and says, Sure, all of evil come live in my home. Destroy my home. Cause me trouble. Cause me great pain. And then there's, a, there's another uh, sinful activity that we can do that, that opens up a lot of doors in our life to the evil spiritual realm. And that is messing with spiritual darkness and false religions. When you open yourself up to witchcraft and to fortune telling and to all kinds of other false and, and evil religions, you're opening yourself up and you're saying, sure, come live in my life and wreck my home. Now, uh, in a in, in physical realm, none of us would, uh, if you lived in, a, in an unsafe community, none of us would leave our doors wide open, uh, leave your jewelry out on the front stoop and invite people to come live in your house who are going to destroy you, wreck your, wreck your uh, home, you know, misuse and and abuse your wife and your children. None of us would do that. But yet we live that way in our... our spiritual lives and so what we discover is that jesus has come to invite us to live free to live a radically different way of life how how can we clean out our home and discover true spiritual freedom through jesus christ i want to give you uh two kind of uh, parallel or complementary steps so that you can begin to live free through jesus christ the first is this we are set free in jesus what i mean to say is only jesus can safeguard your home from the destructive forces of the world around you of sin raging inside of you and the demonic spiritual realm that wants to destroy you jesus alone is the one that brings freedom to your home that cleans out your life and can secure the doors and windows of your heart Let's look at the story of that we see in the early life of Jesus again in Luke chapter four, verse thirty-five, where it simply reads this way: Jesus is speaking to the man who is being controlled by a demon. He says, "Be quiet," Jesus said sternly. "Come out of him." In comp- direct contrast to what the rabbis were doing, which was escalating an already bad situation, Jesus de-escalates it. Simply says, "Evil, get out." Jesus came to perform signs, wonders, and miracles to pull back the curtain of the spiritual realm and show that he is God and God is the victor over evil. Jesus' expressed mission was not only to do signs, wonders, and miracles, but expressly... To come to earth to die on a cross to take the, the punishment we deserve for our sin to take the death sentence that was placed on us and the eternal judgment that we're headed for because of sin that rages in our life Jesus took the collective death sentence that we all deserve he took the eternal judgment that was on each one of us he heaped it on himself so that when he died he died once for all he died a physical death he died a supernatural spiritual and he eternal death as the judgment for sin so that when he died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ by faith could be forgiven of their sins. Those crazy minions of the demons in our own life could be crushed and destroyed. The sin from the past that we've been dragging around with us could be forgiven, shame and guilt removed from our lives and we could be set free so that we could live free. Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the mortgage that of debt that is against every one of our homes. He, he took the keys of hell to unlock the door of our hearts to set us free from hell's destruction and judgment. He paid the mortgage in full so that when Jesus died, he did a completed work. He paid for every one of our mortgages. He paid our debt. He set us free from eternal judgment so that we could truly begin to be free spiritually. But Jesus didn't just die. He rose again supernaturally and victoriously from the death, from the dead. And in his resurrection, he defeated death. He conquered the strength of sin. And he destroyed the power of Satan's darkness against mankind. So that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ has the power of Jesus living in them. When we believe in Jesus by faith, when we be, when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we repent of our old way of living, when we acknowledge Jesus Jesus Christ as the king of our life and the savior of our soul he comes and he transforms our home how the eternal invisible spirit of God you could say Jesus spirit the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside our eternal invisible spirit God's spirit occupies our home he occupies the spaces in the, in, the, in the corners, in the closets of our home. And when God's spirit is resident in our life, in our home, he casts out the demonic, he casts out the evil. He occupies the spaces of our life so that sin no longer takes control and dominion over us. When God's spirit is in us, because Jesus paid the mortgage for our home, now he owns our life. He holds the deed to our heart. He now lives in and occupies our soul. Because of Jesus Christ, we are set free. We're free from the demons of our past, the demons in our thinking, the demons in our emotions. We're set free from even the spiritual demons that may rage against us because we have become the possession of a loving, merciful, eternal, and all-powerful God who is capable of being present in all people at all times. God is not limited like Satan is to space and time. God now occupying our hearts through when we have faith in Jesus Christ now gives us the opportunity because he has forgiven us and set us free to begin to live free. In fact, that's what I want you to write down as the complementary idea in this passage is this. Jesus sets us free to live free. Listen to what happens next. Jesus said, be quiet, come out of him. And then demon immediately leaves. God's spirit entering into this man. And listen to what Jesus does. Then the demon threw the man to the down before them all and came out of them without injuring him. When the demon leaves, because of the power of God at work, in and through Jesus, the, the man is not only set free, but he's set free to live free. A similar story to this shows up only a few chapters later in, in the uh, writing of Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, another demonic man. Jesus meets him. Very similar experience. The demons inside of this man are yelling at Jesus, who do you think you are? Are you going to treat us badly? Jesus calls out the demons and they flee from occupying the man. They, they leave his home. And then, and then Jesus speaks life into this man. And this is what we read next, verse 38 and 39. The man whom the demons had gone out of begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. uh, A parallel passage of this story, it says that when the townspeople came to see this man who was a demoniac, where he had previously lived among among the graves, naked, taking rocks and cutting himself, they had tried to chain him to trees, so he had portions of chains attached to him. When Jesus met him, set him free, the townspeople saw the man in his right mind, clothed and behaved. The point is this, that when Jesus sets us free, it does not lead to our injury it does not lead to a different enslavement. You don't go from being enslaved by sin to being enslaved by religion. You don't go from being obligated to living out your addictions to now being obligated to carrying on all kinds of crazy rituals. You also don't go from being enslaved by sin and controlled by demons to being left empty and broken and naked. Jesus' spirit comes and fills us clothes us, leaves us in our right mind. We are set free to live free. How do you live free? Well, I want to challenge you that when Jesus Christ occupies uh, the, the throne of our heart, I meaning he's the king of our life, when his spirit lives in our spirit, we are set free to actually live free. We live free because we are no longer carrying the burdens of our old way of living. We're no longer carrying the shame and the guilt, the regrets, the past, the mistakes, the failures, the shortcomings, the identity that we used to have. Now we are completely free. I want you to know today that you are free in Jesus' name and you are invited to live free, to live free from addiction, to live free from fear, to live free from the things that have once haunted you. You are not what evil told you you are. You are not your past. You are not the addictions of your past. You are not the police record that you brought in here today. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you are set free to live free. You no longer need to carry the burdens that you've dragged. God wants to clean house. He wants to clean up your home. He wants to shut the windows and close the doors and secure your life in him so that you have the confidence that your heart and life is eternally and supernaturally secure through faith in Jesus Christ. You are not just uh, teeter-tottering in the spiritual realm. Maybe I'll fall over to Satan. Maybe I'll be controlled by God. The yang and the yang, the good and the evil. No, no, no. God is far more powerful at work in your life than evil ever could be. You are not controlled and manipulated by sin. You are not controlled and manipulated by Satan. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are set free to live free. You do not have to walk through your life constantly believing that every day you're going to wake up and fall back into sin. When God sets you free, he frees you from the grip, this enslavement of sin. You can live today sin-free. That doesn't mean you're never going to revert. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be that little uh, evil in your heart that's going to creep back up and try to take control. But we can allow God's spirit to drive out the sin and drive out the demons that we can be totally free through Jesus Christ. I also want to challenge you that the authority Jesus had over the spiritual and the demonic is given to you through Jesus Christ. Jesus has authorized you. He has deputized you. And he has empowered you. Meaning you have the right to have authority over the demonic. And you have the power of authority over the demonic. You do not realize too often, Christians don't realize the power they have over the demonic. When you proclaim Jesus' name over a situation, when you pray in Jesus' name, when you deal with sin in Jesus' name, when you deal with the demonic in Jesus' name, when you deal with addictions in Jesus' name, there is victory and there is power because God has put his authority in you to speak uh power over the demonic and that and it doesn't have to be a big war just like god spoke and and in a lightning strike satan was cast out just like jesus spoke be quiet get out it wasn't some struggle and battle god has empowered you to have victory over the demonic over the demons in your mind your emotions the demons from your past the demons of addiction and he's also given you power over the spiritual demonic i finally want to encourage you he, he's given you, he set you free to live free. Free to choose what is right in your life. Free to choose what is best. Free to choose a future. Your life is no longer controlled and manipulated by the demonic, by the evil, by the darkness that has loomed in your past. Now you are actually given the freedom through Jesus Christ to choose the right next step. To be obedient to the way of God. Before you were enslaved by sin, you were being controlled and dragged in a wrong direction, which was an eternal trajectory toward hell. Now God has set you free and he's given you the opportunity to live In relationship with him and now you can choose to walk in obedience to the way and will of God and finally he's given you the freedom to share that hope you have with others this man that Jesus set free went on to be the very first missionary he wanted to tell everybody about the freedom he received and you've been given freedom and you are invited to share the freedom you've received with others so I want to encourage you to respond right now how can you respond Two steps. First, if your windows and doors are wide open, you, you've allowed the sin in your life to cause chaos and destruction. I encourage you. It's it's simple. Not easy, but it's simple to repent of your old way of living. Hand the keys of your home over to Jesus Christ. Ask him to pay for the mortgage of your life and welcome him into your home. Say, God, I give you control. I give you dominion. I, I invite you to take over the, the ownership of my heart and life. If that's where you're at right now, I want you to make this personal. I want you to pray and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to welcome his spirit into your spirit through an act of repentance now, if, if you know that you've given the keys of your heart and life over to Jesus Christ, he, he lives in your home, but you, but you haven't walked in the authority that he's given you. You're not living free. I want you to begin to pray and allow God's spirit to begin to speak to you. Allow God's spirit to begin to reveal to you the areas where he wants to take control of your life. I want you to allow God's spirit to begin to show you the areas that he wants to uh, bring freedom to. The areas where he wants to set you free so you can live free. Would you begin to pray? Would you begin to speak the name of Jesus Christ? Not like some lucky charm superstition, but truly taking hold of the authority that you have in Jesus name. An authority that gives you victory. An authority that gives you freedom. An authority that breaks the chains of slavery of sin in your life. An authority that allows you to begin to walk free because god has set you free to live free would you take a moment right now and would you begin to pray and would you begin to allow the holy spirit of god to do something supernatural here this is a thin place moment where the spirit of god wants to interact with your heart the supernatural wants to intersect with the natural the eternal uh, intersecting with the material god wants to make this moment a thin space moment and do a supernatural work in your heart and life if only you would open up and allow him to Would you do that right now? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.